from Summer Lake. <laughs> That's just for Cameron. Just for Cam. Yeah. He called me out. I told him I was doing the podcast tonight. And he's like, Tears live from Summer Lake. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. hilarious. I'm going to do that crap. What's going on, buddy? Not a Jace, not at all. Not at all. Good. Well, I'm Jason. Well, I'm nothing, and I'm Gary. We're the Portland Tim Beers. We're a little bit reckless tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, hang on to the edges of your chairs, folks. Oh, boy. We're going to go wild. How about uh, those Portland Tim Beers? The Tim Beers or the Tim Burrs? No, Tim Beers. Yeah, they're pretty pretty amazing guys. How about their parties they throw? Oh, <laughs> lit. Ragers. Yeah, we pr- throw some pretty good parties, dude. What do we yeah. have, about 50 people, 40 people? I couldn't even count. Ridiculous. <laughs> All I know is it was off the rockers. A lot of wieners. <laughs> A lot of kraut. <laughs> A lot of beer. A lot of beer. Yeah. A lot of beer. Um, there was well over 10 gallons of beer drink with all the beer that was brought. Yeah. Um, we brought back bottles, and we had a lot of bottles and cans we went through, plus yeah, the was, two kegs. It was crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. So just crazy, crazy night. Yeah. Absolute blast, though. Absolute blast. Um, yeah. Beer Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good time. Just another amazing party. That's all I got to say. And a lot of wieners. No? Nothing? Nope, not even swinging. <laughs> there was, dude. <laughs> I had two eight-foot-long wieners in my mouth at one point. Just a swinging. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of good times at the Tim Beers Oktoberfest. Uh, Gary debuted his new tap handle. Yeah, it was and a huge shout out to uh, Jordan for making that tap tap handle happen. Um, I kind of gave it to him short notice, and uh, he really delivered on that. So thank you, Jordan, for that. Yeah, it looked pretty stellar. So we got to do some stickers so you can get your patch off of that thing. Yeah. So have to work on that this weekend. And it came out amazing. Well, let's see. What do we got on the show tonight? We'll talk a little bit about the Timbers, uh, the playoff uh, crash that we had. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what are the team, what should we do with the team, kind of uh, our diagnosis of how to fix things for next year. Talk a sweet little bit about the playoffs and what's going on with the MLS playoffs. Yeah. And then we've got some good beer talk, man. So I had a trip in here to Southern California, hung out with uh, our buddy Rich and his wife, um, and hit the wine country, but managed to hit a few breweries as well down in Southern California. Good to hear. And then listener Tim, our mascot, (laughs) pulled off an absolute coup, hanging out at the uh, Thompson House for McMinimins. Enjoying some uh, Black Widow, which we love here on the show. And Tim managed to connect with Jen, the world-famous Black Widow brewer, and yeah. uh, pulled off an interview. So Amazing. Yeah, wonderful little interview, and we'll play that too and give a nod out to Tim. So, And then we should shut down the show with about uh, what we're brewing this weekend. Um, I am brewing. Tim's been brewing like a... Fiend. Like he's like he's like he hasn't like like there's no tomorrow. He's got like brewing. pent up energy for the it's last crazy. five years. Jesus. 
So uh, he's got like 30 gallons of beer he's brewed in the last two weeks. Which is nuts. <laughs> so, I don't know what the hell he's, he's going to do with shit it all. spread around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we'll get to that. So, all right, with that, let's uh, jump into Hot Timbers talk. Woo! Timbers getting knocked out by Salt Lake. Yep. Um, you watch the game? Um, I watched... I watched parts of it. Yeah, so it was the night of the uh, Oktoberfest party. Yeah. So we had it on in the background. Everybody was very quiet. I would say that was the quietest part of the party. It was. Everybody kind of yeah. watching the last 45 of that. So Timbers get uh, obliterated by Salt Lake uh, and send Salt Lake on to face Seattle, but we lost 2-1. What would you think of the game? Yeah, I think I th- you know, it was lackluster as usual. Um, it was just like probably 95% of our other games that we played this year where slow start, sloppy, get behind, manage to score a goal to recover, and then lose it defensively. Yeah. It's, uh, again, we talked about it. The team squeaked in. The team was really anemic moving into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Really had no business being there. Um, but that being said, Timbers came out very slow and asleep in the first 45. Yep. Um, they looked absolutely dominant, them being Real Salt Lake. And then we scored one at the very end, but uh, ultimately they scored more than us and move on to face Seattle. So, right. Yeah. And it was snowing, and Clark played out of his mind, and there was all sorts of well, that stuff. And then you got Espria, Mr. Playoff, showed up again, scored his goal. So. Yeah, massive header off a corner kick yeah. in the 47th. So Absolutely made stellar. things like close, but not really. Right. Uh, Rusnak <laughs> was on par, and Savarino, and all of Salt Lake's guys. Um, but it didn't matter because both of them got whacked by Seattle and or Salt Lake got whacked by Seattle. Yeah, Nicky Romano played out of his mind in that game too. Against the, in the Seattle game or yeah, our game? In the Seattle game. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, 2 0 and uh Seattle moves on to face the winner of tonight's game, yeah. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. That'll be an interesting uh so, finale should be on right now on espn i see that it got bumped right because of some college football <laughs> so uh it's on espn two, and we'll have to update you as the night goes on um but anyways well this team um obviously needs some changes so we talked about this all season and just kind of lacks some pizzazz and oomph and all that they spent a lot of money in bringing a striker in with brian fernandez yeah they jettisoned Armenteros and jettisoned some other players. Um, and still nothing looks right. So let's play the fun game of who should we bring in. Just in time for when they bring some people in, we can play that fun, fun guy game of... <laughs> <laughs> who's he most like? Yeah, who's he most like? So uh, with that, if you were king for a month, what would you do to tweak this roster? Wow. That's really, really tough. Um, I mean, we, we've we just... The problem is we've got holes everywhere. Um, and a lot of mediocrity everywhere. That, uh, And I'm probably going to catch a lot of hell for that. But w- when you look at the team as a whole, it doesn't gel. It doesn't do great. But if you look at individual players, there's some really standout play going on. But you got to put it all together. 
and we're not doing that as a team. Um, we're going to have to look at replacing Diego Valeri at some point. When's that start? Yeah. Um, um, what do you do with Antonella and Clark? Let's start in the back. You know, that's so tough because right now Clark, I mean, if you look at Clark all year long, he played out of his mind pretty much. Um, I would say he has a starting job next year. Yeah, I mean, you got four guys sitting in the back, right? Yeah. So you have Antonella, who went out with his shoulder surgery. Right. Playing pretty good up to, up to that point. That point. I mean, kind of. We were, If we actually rewound the tape and listened to it, he was not that great. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, his book of work the last couple of years has been decent. Um, Steve Clark, um, who's an absolute freak and a um, playing out of his mind, but it's a contract year for him. Yeah. And he's fighting for a spot. Um, let's say we offer him the starting spot Does and he continue pay the to contract. Play that way? Does he continue to play out of his mind, right? I don't know. Does he lose that edge because he knows he can lose it at any point? Right. And we've talked about this with, like, Kawarsi, and we talked about this with um, some of the other – Gleason and some of those guys is as soon as they don't feel threatened and they don't feel like somebody can take their seat – Their play falls off. Yeah, they lose that edge. Yeah. They, and so I kind of like, because Clark, man, he is unhinged. Crazy. Playing out of his mind, making some crazy saves. But the second he starts to feel comfortable, are we going to see something different? I don't know. I hope not. So you got Clark, and then you've got this uh, guy that we forgot about from Slovenia, this 25-year-old kid, <laughs> yeah. Aljaz Ivovic. Supposed to be just phenomenal keeper, too. Had an ACL tear when he got here. We got some money back on it. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to be amazing, right? So 6'2", 180 pounds, basically the same size as Steve Clark. Don't uh, think we've seen a minute of him, though. I haven't seen a minute of him, yeah. And he's taking an international slot. Right. And then you got the human freak, Kendall McIntosh, playing behind all those guys. <laughs> so Mr. I-can-save-penalties left and right. Yeah. And who we've not seen in a T1 uniform. Correct. So. Well, I we, we have seen him. Like twice, I think, in a T1 uniform. But not on a start. But, but not as a starter. Right. No, he was he was as a backup goalie. Right. So I don't necessarily know if I'd make a change there. I But you know you got to do something with Clark as far as wrapping him up. Right. Right. And then do you go protect him? Who do you protect from the keepers? Because you got the expansion draft coming up. Do you protect Clark? Do you protect Antonella? Um, Antonella hasn't played in a year. So. I think, you know, if I were the king for the day, that's the guy I'm letting go. Antonella? Yeah. Yeah, me Just too. Just because he, he doesn't have the play time right now that Clark does or McIntosh does for T2. You know, and then you, you've spent a bunch of money to bring this other guy in, this Slovenia guy that uh, we just haven't seen. Right. Um, but that's who I would keep. Yep, I agree. So, well, then we go up to, uh, let's go up the line above, the defense, um, which for most of the season has been an absolute gong show. Yeah, it's either injuries or just non-communication non, uh, But a clown issues. car, man. People um, popping in and out, left Oh, it's and been right. crazy. So, um, one thing I appreciated about Porter, there's two things I appreciated that we'll talk about, but the first thing is... Um, he recognized the spine of the team is really makes it go, right? right. So you've got to have your best players 
in the spine of the team, and so those, those center positions. Um, and everything else can be kind of be complimentary. And he liked a lot of speed on the wings that could get up and get up fast and get back fast, that right. type of thing. Um, and it translated into results and all that, and it wasn't necessarily always the prettiest. We got frustrated with balls crossing. But to be honest, we're kind of frustrated with how Geo's balls <laughs> kind of sound weird, but how uh, Geo's yeah. play is too. <laughs> how Geo's balls crossed. Yeah, well, yeah. Geo, Geo needs to do something better with his balls. So. Un- uncross your balls, Geo. <laughs> so, so we look at the centers there. You got Claude Dielna, the French dude from New England. Larry's Mabiala. You got Bill Tulema, and you've got Amodu Jadama, uh, and that's it. So sitting in the center, right? Um, you know, you need two or three of those guys, yep. right? And then yep, yep. who do you have sitting on T two that can jump up that needs or deserves a spot? I don't know, um, but I don't think we saw Modu at all this year. I mean, maybe he was on the bench, but I didn't see him play at all. Um, even when Larry's was gone, you saw Zarek in the middle or Cascante. Uh, he's the other guy. Yep. Um, so what do you do? What do you do with Cascante? What do you do with Jadama, Larry's, Claude Dielna? My gut tells me to let Dielna go. Not very popular in the Timbers fan base. Um, seems to gaff a lot. Um, and he didn't see a lot of playing time for us. Right, well, um, he would play, and then he'd I mean, make stupid mistakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Casa Conte did the same thing. Yeah, Mr. I score my own goals. I mean, well, he, sure, he led the team but, in goals this year. Um, own goals. <laughs> own goals. I mean, I think I think if if we're looking at, at center back alone, not outside back or just anything center else, back. just center back alone, I say you've got to go with um, with Mabiala. Yep. And um, and flush the rest. No, I wouldn't say that actually. <laughs> uh, you and I really disagree on this guy. But um, who's our other center right Tulema. now? Tulioma. Uh, Tulioma. I I like the way the guy plays. Uh, he's usually pretty solid. He has an occasional gaff, but every single one of our guys has had the occasional gaff, and that's what's cost us defensively. Is is we've just got too many guys that have those off games. Um, I think I think he matures into that spot a lot more, especially if you keep him paired up with Mabiala and let those two make a, a good solid gel at center back. Yeah, the deal is Mabiala's thirty two, right? So next year he's thirty three. Yeah, I mean he's another guy that's aging. He's aging. He's going to have to get replaced. You keep Mabiala for this year. I wouldn't sign him for a long term contract or do anything with his contract. Not sure what his status is, but. That being said, I think I, I keep him pat, protect him. I think you keep Tulema. I agree. I'm not a huge fan of him. I think he's a, a B guy, maybe a C guy. But I think you have to go out and find another A guy to compliment Mabiala. Yeah. And then you flush. The rest of it. The rest of them. Yep. Yeah. Dielna, I think Cascante needs to go somewhere. Um, Cascante is a liability, man. He's been a good utility, like filling in here but he's cost way too much from exactly. a gaff here and a gaff there well and the mistakes he makes are crucial oh critical mistakes. Yeah. so i mean have that back away from the goal clearing balls into the net it's just ridiculous so then so you take care of the spine go out and find pardon me somebody uh 
somebody Ridgewell-esque. <laughs> and what do you think of our wings? So we sit there with Jorge Villafania, Zarek Valentin, uh, Jorge Maria, and Marco Farfan. I think you keep Moria. Yeah, Moria is a no-brainer. I mean, it's so, a no-brainer. you got to keep that guy. And we haven't talked about this because um, I am a huge Maria fan. There's a lot of people who are like, Maria sucks. He's terrible. He's silent and he's quiet, but he's a freaking assassin, dude. Well, not only that, he he does play more defense than people give him credit for. He's a dirty work guy. Um, he's doing a lot of crap in that midfield that people just don't pay attention to. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't get back all the time, but the whole reason they brought him in was to have a guy that could go up that wing side and stay high. So that somebody else, the opposing winger or one of the center backs, would fill over and cover that spot. Yep. And once the team got that figured out, you saw what what he could pull off. I mean, he was pulling off some amazing stuff. And and like you said, he's doing a lot of the dirty work. He does, I would say, similar to work on those wings that Char does up the middle. Absolutely he does. And so and the, people just don't give him credit for that. He's all over the place. And he's a first-year guy, right? Right. He, he came to the team early in the season, not even a full year did he play with the team, and he clicked right off the bat where a lot of these guys... Take forever It takes to a click. year for him to get in. And we yeah. Even Blanco. It took a year before we really saw what Blanco was. Right. So, yeah, Maria, I think, is going to be a stallion next year. Um, and I love how physical he is. Man, yes. he's got and he's yeah. got wheels. So he's 29 though. So he's he's getting ready to turn the corner here. And those guys put on a lot more miles than the center backs. Exactly. So when his wheels go, they'll go pretty They're fast. They're gonna go quick. <laughs> yeah. As we saw with with uh, Diego Valeri. Right, and we're coming up on mid. So I mean, you went from MVP to maybe 45 minute guy the next year. What do you do with Viafania? I just don't see the talent that we had with him and when 15. we had him before he left. Yeah. I just don't see it. Right. Nice guy. I don't know what happened. I just think he's miscasted on the team. I think he got comfortable. I mean, they give him the big contract, and that's that same thing. How much edge is there? How much push or yeah. fight is there behind him? And he's 29. Or, no, he's 30. He's I mean, 30? Nah. Yeah. How, many, how much does he have left in the tank? Um, he's had a good season, good career, but he's a good B to me. I think he would be a good backup, but he makes too much money for that. So Exactly. Um, yeah. Zarek. What do you do with Zarek? You know, that one's a tough one because Zarek's a good utility player. He can fill in a lot of spots when you've got injuries. Yeah. But other than that, I just I think he's getting, he's getting to that point, too, where do you keep him or do you let him go? So 28 years old and a Portland Timbers Army favorite. Um, but to me, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. He's had some bad gaffes, too. I mean, there were he some, has, yeah. I mean, some bad shit where they're like the game we lost because of him. And, he, and when a defender does that, oh. It's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. But the, the guy, to his credit, I mean, he's a pretty good utility player. You can put him almost anywhere you want to. Yeah, and he's a, he's a voice. And he can fill in. He's a voice in the locker room, and I think that's right. the other piece of it. But I'm I'm hoping that he does. They don't pay him like a whole bunch of extra money for being a voice, because if they do, then bye bye. So Marco Farfan, <laughs> bye bye. 
Farfan, I think I just haven't seen him improve yeah. the way we've needed to. Now, I don't know if that's because he hasn't been getting playing time or what the deal is, but if that's the case, drop him, drop him back down to T2. Yeah, 20 um, years old. Get him some more play time there. Put him in T2, see what he can run there. But he's not getting a lot of national team buzz anymore, and he's not getting a lot of Timbers buzz anymore. It's no, like he's really not. Geo's not that impressed. So. It's like he fell off the radar. So, yeah. Uh, maybe Columbus wants him. He can go rejoin Caleb or something. So <laughs> send him off over there. So then we go to the midfield. Um, and the midfield is interesting because this is where there's some guys in here that have been with the Timbers for a long time. A long time. And so we start in the spine. Um, again, loved Caleb when he focused on the spine because it's hard to break down a team when the spine is strong. Right. So and we got we have a strong spine in the midfield, um, but it's an aging spine. It is. And you know what happened when the spine degenerates? It usually collapses. It gets arthritis. <laughs> it stiffens up. Stiffens up and it's slow to respond. Can't function as yeah. well as it used to. Yeah, and that's what yeah. we've got, I think. So we've got in the middle Diego Chara sitting at 33 years old. And luckily we have not seen a, a decrease in his performance yet. I'm going to make a prediction, kids. Right here, prediction. Chara's going to break down next year. You think? Yeah. In 2020. 2020 is the year. No way. Yeah, we see him slow down. I, I don't see it happening. I know. You're just like the rest of the Timbers Army. No, no. You and I'm, that Antifa. I'm nothing like the rest <laughs> of the Timbers Army. So I have my own opinion. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, think, I think we see it next year. I got nothing to base that on. Yeah, it'll I'm be just, interesting to see if it happens, but I don't think it happens next year. So, Char's still playing great. Um, good all-star year. He sh- actually... Arguably should have been an all-star the last five years. He should have been, so, but... Um, but got recognized this year. So we'll see how much mileage he has on the 33. So he puts a lot of mileage and he rough does. mileage on. So He really does. Um, and, and it's aggressive, hard mileage. Yeah. It, it's not just running around the field kind of crap. He's actually putting in the hard tackles. He's doing everything else. Totally. So and then his same age, Diego Valeri... Um, sitting in the middle, more of an offensive player, not defensive. Right. Um, and we've already seen that decline. Absolutely has lost a step. So, and I don't know what that is. Um, he certainly, uh, most of his goals came off of penalties or set pieces. Yep. Um, certainly had a bunch of assists. I mean, his assist rate was huge. Um, but he's not creating his own shots. And so part of that is you bring in Brian Fernandez and Ebo moves central into a center uh up into a center striker type position that takes stuff away from Valeri where before Valeri was in that role. Right. Um, But that being said, he's not a shot creator anymore where he can do that. He also turns over a lot of balls in the middle that we haven't seen before. He does. So uh, what do you do with Diego Valeri? He's in a big contract here. There's a big fight between him and the Timbers. You know, if it were me, I would either trade him away as much as people are going to hate me for saying that, but um, you're we're running a business. We're not running a, a fashion show or a sorority or anything else. We're the Timbers are there to make money, and they're they're should be being built to win championships. And when you get aging players, even though they're huge fan favorites, when they fall off like Diego has. You've, you, there's got to be a time when you just have to cut, 
cut the ties and say, you know, you did a lot for us. That's great. We got a spot for you in the back office if you want to retire. But we're not going to renew an option to extend a contract. A la Steven Gerrard with Liverpool, a la Drogba with Chelsea, a la Peter Cech with Chelsea. Eventually, you can't use nostalgia no. as a way to run a soccer team. Eventually, you have to say goodbye because there's younger players, better players, not more important players that from a historical perspective, no, but just no, better players means, at that just, time. Just better at the time. Right. Correct. And nobody's saying that uh, Valeri isn't the most important timber that we've ever had um, or that his contributions off the field um, haven't been absolutely amazing. But what we're saying is at this point in time with his play, he's no longer a DP. He's no longer should be paid what a DP should be paid. We need to go find somebody else that has that value and can contribute at that level to the team. Correct. So, what about Polo? Marco Polo. Bye bye. Uh, yeah, I. I just don't see keeping a guy. No. Um, um, he's got an attitude. There's something going on between him and the coach. When we originally saw Polo in Arizona, it looked great. Yeah. Super fast, super aggressive player. None of that showed up this year. Yep. Um, his speed's still there, but. The rest of it, I we, I just have not seen enough from him to really want to keep him around. Well, he had an injury at one point, and then some battles with the coaches. The World Cup was in there. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some stuff in there. But that being said, meh, get out of here. So Sebastian Blanco, I think you're fine. You, you got to keep that. Yeah, yeah. he's 31. Still got a couple of years. People love him. Uh, Thomas Konechny, um, he's 21. I don't think we've really seen much from him because he's been behind on sitting on the shelf a little bit. Correct. So uh, then you got the two young guys, Loria and Zambrano, um, both really young, twenties. Um, and I think you keep. I think you keep the young guys. I don't think they're making a ton of money. Um, but again, they're good utility players that can kind of fill a particular void. Right. So yeah, um, and they can be developed into other things. At some point. Yeah, right. And I, I what do you do with Dyron Espria, Mr. Uh, October? <laughs> I think you get you got to trade him, as much as that, that hurts to say that. Um, the only time that guy shows up is in the playoffs. Yeah, really, we're talking drama, right? So Polo's um, creating some drama on the team. Espria's yeah. creating drama. I think anybody that creates drama that's taking away from what the central po- point of this team is, you got to jettison. And right. that includes Diego Valeri holding his shirt up to Merritt Paulson in the suites after he scored a goal to make a point to him about, again, a contract is what the belief is. Right. And, or going up to the Timbers Army and getting them all lathered up to say goodbye, I'll never see you again, or whatever. And just some of that shit, it's drama, and the team doesn't need that. Go play fucking soccer. So, all right. D- uh, forwards. Yes. What forwards? Jeremy, Ebo, <laughs> B-Say. What, what do we do with Jeremy? We probably disagree on this. I don't say you keep him. I, th- I say you look for something better. <laughs> well, we agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cue the toilet sound. <laughs> Brian Fernandez. Um, depends on what happens. 
the the guy's shown he can score in the MLS. He's shown he can score a lot. Um, I think you you keep him at least for a little bit, with especially with as much money as you paid. Um, and, and see what happens. But if it doesn't turn out well, you get rid of him quick. Yeah, I think I think you got to hang on to him. I I don't know. I don't I don't know how well a mentor assigning him somebody that's with him all the time, whether it be a player, which is asking a lot, right? Or sure. his agent somehow is closer. But there's got to be something and some sort of agreement that says, "Dude, we're we're invested in you." Um, and if there's not something like that, then I say you got to cut. Right. You got to cut bait. And and I'm sure there's contingencies within the contract that he signed that allows you to do that, at least to get partial value back. But I'm, I'm all for him if he can make that turn and come back and we can give him somebody to support him. But if we can't, dude, he's a head case. I mean... <laughs> Just the fact that I gotta pay somebody else to like be with you so you stay clean and stay emotionally sound. Not good. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Zlatan doesn't need that, and Zlatan scoring goals left and right. Um, I mean, some of these, and everybody's got their baggage, and everybody's got their own thing. I get it, but when you're talking money and running business, um, dude, it's that what it's pay. what you're doing now, yeah, not what you did. So. Um, those are really all I got up top. You got this Foster Langsdorf kid, homegrown. We haven't really seen him much. Um, In T2, he did phenomenal, though. Yeah, so. and he's not got a ton of time, but yeah. you stuck behind Jeremy. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. Jeremy scored a bunch of goals this year, um, a lot of header goals, but he's not a guy that can really create. Um, the Timbers Army loves this guy. They get lathered up on this guy, too. Yeah, they love so. him because he has the same political views. <laughs> so, but, yeah, um, well. but and, and to his point, if he's not playing dead center, if they actually move him to the outside as a striker, right? he does much better yeah, in totally. that position, without a doubt. Well, so there's the team. Um, so based upon that, we noticed that we have some center backs that we need. Need to look at some replacements in the midfield, but really need to focus on the strikers up top um, to figure out what we're going to do there. And if we flush Jeremy and we're unsure about Brian, sounds like we need some striker talent. So um, Sounds like the same year every year. And then let's talk, uh, what do you do with Coach Geo? So how, how would you rate? Zero, zero is I'm flushing you. Ten is he's the best coach ever. Where would you put this year and what you think of Geo this year? You know, I'd put him at a seven. Wow. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of people are, are you saying seven's too high or seven's too low? That's I'll explain what I'm mine in a second. But the reason I'm giving it a seven is he took a really difficult schedule that got heaped upon him because of the expansion of our stadium here. And he actually did something with it. It didn't start off well by any stretch of the imagination, but then they became a really good road team. Then they came home, they won some games, they lost a bunch of games, so so yada, yada, yada. But the thing to look at is a lot of those home games were super tight schedule games. It's hard to have a squad that can rotate on that short of notice. And I mean, I think he did the best he could. Um, were there some questionable times when subbing and, and questionable times on his rotations? Absolutely, but... 
I think he did pretty damn good for what he was thrown at with a schedule. So I think seven's generous. That's just me. I'm not a huge fan of the coaches that go, well, I think we did pretty good today. I think we were close and we were the better team, even though we got dominated. And that was had, Porter, too. Yeah, it was Porter, and I gave Porter the same crap. But, <laughs> but dude, you squeaked into the playoffs. You arguably had one of the worst. And the schedule was tough. I get it. And it was a lot of back-to-back games and yeah. a lot of, like, four games in ten days bullshit. But kind of just have to play the del- the hand you're dealt. And, and he had some injuries, and he had some new players brought in, but... And they're a year off of the going to the final and some of that stuff. So I think next year's that year that he's got to put up or shut up. Oh, yeah. Ne- yeah next year's definitely his defining year. And he's got to stop the goddamn rhetoric of, well, I think we were the better team. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah. So because he, he did, if you remember early on, he threw all the players under the bus in one of the interviews. I think it was against the Red Bulls early on. He was like, no, the players absolutely sucked. We were terrible. Yeah. We're fucking terrible, I believe, is what he said. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think that's good. But hold your hold your players accountable. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I don't know. I'd go five or six, and I think wow. I'm being generous if I go six. But I need to see some improvement, baby. I need to see you actually do something with this team and and coach them up. And I think, I think his voice is growing tired in the locker room. Just looking at how the guys were rallying or not rallying when they came out on the field. Yeah. He had to basically yell at them at halftime to get them fired up for Salt Lake. It's like, dude, come on, man. They, they should be fired up going in. Well, they should be, but I think they're just exhausted. <laughs> yeah, could be. They had two weeks off prior. so Yeah. But, all right. Well, enough about the Timbers. What are you drinking, dude? Nothing. What were you drinking? What's that beer you brought that's brown? I was drinking a Backwoods Brewing Company uh, pecan pie porter. Ooh, what's the ABV um, on that bad boy? I uh, figured you'd ask me a question I need glasses for. 5.9%. Is that what it is? 5.9. Yeah, 5.9. Well, there you go. There you go. 5.9. What do you think of it? Uh, I actually liked it. Um, it wasn't over-the-top pecan pie tasting, which was nice. I uh, just kind of had a hint of it. Um, and then just the nice porter uh, taste to it. Malty. You know, the, the backside was perfect. With a slight hint of nuts on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and it's brown. Wow. <laughs> no, that's really well, what it was, yeah, dude. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. It's well, your story. You get to tell it. <laughs> Let's pause. We'll come back with a fresh new beer and some talk about beer. All right, we're back. Wow. Part two. (laughs) Bing. Well, uh, listener Matt gave us a beer that we're well into now. (laughs) Imagine that. So uh, listener Matt gave us a Jackalope Imperial Pumpkin Porter from Beer Valley. Ontario, Oregon. It's 7.9%. And uh, pretty tasty. It is pretty tasty. You said you had this over at Andrew and Tiffany's? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they had it at their game night the um, same week you guys were down in California doing wine tasting. So um, they had that and a few other uh, Halloween-themed beers. Um, But this one is the one that stuck out to me. Wow. Well... It's pretty nice. Uh, a little bit of hint of 
some spices, but they're pretty subdued behind the taste of squash. Squash in your mouth. Yeah. I've had nuts on my tongue and behind squash in my mouth. <laughs> kind of ties nicely. Wow. As long as not a cucumber in my tongue. Okay. <laughs> no? Cucumber with nuts? Well, wouldn't be the first. Oh, God. <laughs> That might be a beer that we have to do. Cucumber with nuts. Cucumbers and nuts. Yeah. Salted. <laughs> they call it the old salty. Yeah. It'd be nice. It'd be a cream ale. No. No, no. No. <laughs> so, well, thank you, listener Matt. So, good beer again. Um, I, I think you'd have to go with a gose with that one. You would have to go with a gose. You can do a cream ale style gose. Wow, salty yet creamy. Yummy. So, um, yeah, good pumpkin beer here. So, again, listeners out there, if you want to hit us up with beers, we're willing to try them as long as they don't have pickles in them. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, Gary will try the pickle beers, not me. Uh, pickle beers are actually pretty good. Uh, they make me puke. Don't mind them. That and a chilada. Yeah, the chiladas are, uh, I, I think I'm done tasting those on air we've tried a lot of beers on air that people have given us and i think we still have one in the fridge actually and uh there's some that some just, that you just won't even touch like no. the chiladas you won't even touch those well i did the one on the air and i dry heaved the whole time yeah, this is, yeah. you won't you will never touch one of those again yikes yikes well so as we referenced i went down to southern california um 23rd wedding anniversary crash <laughs> Just the fact that somebody stuck with me for 23 years, fantastic. So I'm truly <laughs> grateful. Um, so uh, hit Temecula and hit the wine region. Uh, really under-impressed with that area and wine, but we're blessed in a place that grows great wine grapes and makes wonderful wine, and the scenery is even better. Yeah. Um, I have no idea why people like to live in L.A. It's dusty, crowded nasty on fire so yeah but whatever floats your boat um people don't like rain when they come here nope i'll keep the rain you can have that um but i stopped into a place called old temecula and actually our buddy rich uh, pointed me down towards old temecula we met him down there tried some great beers um which i posted on untapped um but the one place that debbie and i stopped in on our own was down an alley and it was fantastic. They were kind of known for their dark beers and go figure in Southern California. Um, you're thinking light lagers. Yeah, you're not thinking dark beer. No, you're really not. And there was really about three or four breweries down there that were nuts about dark beers. I mean, they were all about it. Huh. And so I got to look in and I'm like, well, okay, Debbie likes milk chocolate stouts and um, I like porters and stouts and so there was this one brewery that uh was pretty cool and as i'm scrambling here iron fire brewing um down in old temecula we stopped by and tried a sampler of their beers so under impressed with the wait staff that was inside um really was busy watching football and could care less that i was in there yeah until i dropped my uh tim beers podcast card off and as we were leaving but I tried uh, their barrel aid stuff. So they had a 2019 all oak everything uh, barrel aged on chilies. Ooh. That was by far their best, I thought. It was 4.5% alcohol. 
I mean, four and a half rating is what I gave it. Yeah. Um, Last Rites Triple Chocolate Stout, which was buck crazy. Um, I gave it 4.25. Six Killer Stout, which is kind of what they're known for. Um, I gave it 3.75. Um, and then I had an Eisenhaus, which was another dark beer of theirs. And, uh, and actually, that's their Oktoberfest beer that they had. Yeah. And that was actually pretty decent, but it was a 3.5. So... Um, and then I tried something from Ween's Brewing, and Ween's actually owns a winery in Temecula, and they had a uh, imperial stout that was crazy thick, very abyss-like, named Damus, and I gave it a four. Um, and Rich actually got a glass of that too, and he's like, "Holy crap! They don't make <laughs> beer like that down here that often." So, but pretty cool stuff. Um, on our way home, uh, we were heading out of John Wayne, Orange County Airport from Temecula, good distance, and we got to the airport quite early, a couple hours, and Debbie's like, let's grab lunch. We should go to a pub. So she pulled up a list of pubs, and we stopped in at Barley Forge Brewing um, in Orange County and sat and had a grilled cheese. They've got this thing, I believe, on Tuesdays, if I'm not mistaken, that if you buy something off the bar menu, you get a free beer. Huh? Yeah. I was like, dude. Um, so I'm sitting there, drop the card, and I'm talking to the customer service guy. I'm like, hey, is your brewer uh, around? And the, you could see the brewer in the back running back and forth, cleaning out kegs. Typical brewer guy, big beard. Looks like he should be from Portland. <laughs> and um, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. And... And then we sat there for an hour and made eye contact with the guy, but it was obvious he didn't want to uh, talk to us. Yeah. Um, he was busy doing stuff. Busy. He's also a brewer, so he's like, God dang it, just leave me alone, let me brew. Just um, let me brew beer. That's all I want to do, brew beer. But eventually uh, I outlasted him and uh, wrestled him to the ground <laughs> and met Billy and I uh, had an interview with Billy from Barley Forge Brewing. So what's cool about this brewing, though, is that they won a, they've only been around for five years, and they've won a Gabbeth Gold, and they've won a beer medal from the World Championships. Wow. And then a bunch of local stuff. And they've only been around for five years. It's pretty impressive. So let's take a listen to the interview with Billy, and uh, we'll go from there, and we'll come back. All right, it's Jason from the Timbers here. I'm at Barley Forge in Costa Mesa. Um, we're winding up our wine tour on our way back from Temecula into the airport here. And we're like, hey, we should stop at a brewery here. And so we stopped here at Barley Forge, tried a sampler, kind of dropped in unexpected. Uh, Billy here uh, is the brewer uh, of Barley Forge. And so uh, wanted to sit and ask you a few questions about the brew scene here in California and specifically talk about Barley Forge. I see, again, a gold medal sitting up on the wall for a beer that you had from 2018, Gabbeth, and then a World Beer Championship. So tell us about your brewery, where you're located, at least for now, and um, a little bit about what you guys are known for from a beer perspective. Yeah, so we're located in Costa Mesa, California. We're just a couple miles from the Orange County Santa Ana Airport. Um, we've been here for about five years. We were the first production brewery in Costa Mesa. Uh, we got a 15-barrel brew house, pretty decent size, you know, fermenter capacity. Um, yeah, some of our, we like you said, we won GABF for our Dortmund Lager. It's Grandpa Tractor. We won that last year. And then at the last World Beer Cup, we won silver for Patsy, which is our coconut rice stout. And that's our best-selling beer, kind of what we're known for. 
Yeah, so I had the Patsy. It's on nitro right now. Yeah. Very, very, like, crazy beer. So lots of coconut. I mean, very pretty complex for what it is. How does that go over in the Southern California climate, brewing stouts? I'm a big stout guy being from Portland. We yeah. like this, especially as it starts to get darker and colder. I like the stouts. How does that go over here? Uh, yeah, like I said, it's that's our, our best-selling beer by far, especially the nitro, the nitro version. Um, it's kind of crazy that our, our main selling beers are stout here, you know, IPA-heavy kind of part of the country and whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's super cool seeing, like, that style of beer because I love dark beer myself. But, yeah, you just don't see a lot of, like, best-selling beers be your stout. And that one just has resonated with people, and they really like it. Are you doing any barrels of it or anything um, like that? Not since I've been here. I think before I did worked here, they did, like, a, a cognac barrel or a bourbon barrel version. But, yeah, not since I've been here have we done it barrel-aged. Wow, crazy. So, um, beer market in California. So, things are changing. It sounds like much like Oregon. There's some contracture. There's competition for space. We were looking at the pins on the map as we were driving in. We're like, all right, which one are we going to try out? I'm like, I want to try out this one. Um, but you guys are closing. So, what's going on? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's it's tough. The market we we we're doing a lot of distribution and and just the competition even locally. Like you know, there's forty or plus breweries in Orange County now. And when we opened, we were the only one on this street. And now there's there's four of us and about another one a mile from here. So you know, a lot a lot of factors go into it. But yeah, unfortunately, we're going to be closing down operations pretty soon. Wow. So and then what's that? Co- for brewers like you, you're going to go to another production brewery? I mean, what do you do from there? So, I mean, obviously your life's put into this place. Um, what what does the brew scene look like for brewers that are looking for something to do? Uh, there's there's interest in this space. So, you know, there's been some, some talks of someone possibly taking it over, but, you know, nothing official yet. And I'm hoping I can at least, you know, re-interview for that. But, yeah, there, there's opening. I mean, there's openings. Like, we have a lot, a lot of breweries around here. It's just like might not be jumping into something right away again so did you go to gabbeth when you guys got the gold medal did you get to go to gabf and uh get to get the medal uh no actually we uh. weren't there we, we we've had this weird the, the times we've won nobody's been there so it seemed what? like it's been like a weird like well maybe if we don't go we'll win more so yeah like that one we weren't at Huh. Okay. I've always wondered what it's like to stand on the stage and, and get the medal in front of the people and do all that type of stuff. It's got to be kind of surreal, especially with how many people are entering and how big that competition is. So, yeah. cool. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. So, if there's one brewery I've got to check out in the little region here, what is the, before I hit the airport, what do I hit? Uh, let's see, between here and the airport? Well, somewhere in the region, right? Um. I mean, if you're into farmhousey type beers, our, our neighbor directly across the street, Gunwale, actually, they're doing some really great farmhouse saison type beers. Um, Carl Strauss ain't too, isn't too far from here. I mean, I know it's another restaurant, <laughs> but I love Carl Strauss. I mean, you know, they're one of the older craft breweries in California, but they're still making great beer. Um, yeah, I try to shy away from that chainy type thing. Yeah. I even told my wife, I'm like, we're not going to Carl Strauss. I'm out of the chain thing. Gunwale sounds interesting, though. I mean, they're blending, right? So they're not only just doing some of the funk and messing with some sours, and but they're they're actually blending. Uh, they, they have some mixed culture stuff over there. I don't know if they have it at the moment. I know they do periodic releases. But, yeah, they're definitely more focusing on, like, the more rustic, saison type stuff, which is, which is cool because, like, not a lot of breweries around here are doing that. So it's cool to see them 
given that a shot. And they actually are expanding themselves, actually. They just opened a spot in Orange, which is not too far from here. So that's crazy because Oregon's been all about the sours and all about that stuff for a little bit. And Cascade Barrel House. I mean, all of these guys are just booming sour-wise. But that's just kind of a new thing that's kind of starting here. How's that going over from a taste perspective? Because I know up there... It was like IPA, hazy, everything they could get was IPA. And all of a sudden we switched to sours Mm -hmm. and that was a pretty radical change. And now everybody's got some sort of funk going on. Um, Are people adjusting to that here? Are they ordering this? Because I see what, two or three on your menu. Yeah, we've done some kettle sours. We had one mixed firm beer uh, last year that we did and it went over pretty well. People people liked it. Uh, But I mean, it's like we definitely have some good sour beer here. Like we have the brewery Taru over in Anaheim, uh, Beachwood Blendery up in in Long Beach is just killing it. Like their goose style beer is phenomenal, and you know it's people dig it. People that aren't necessarily beer drinkers are, are really liking that stuff. Uh, it's kind of already shifted a little bit. Like it used to be super acidic, and I know a lot a lot of them are starting to dial that back just because it's like you know it can get too far at some points at least for me you know right right yeah. well i mean i think go say like is that entryway you get a little bit of salt a little bit of sour but it's a good entryway but really i think the sour beer thing's about it's targeted at wine drinkers too mm-hmm. it's a good place for them to come into the beer world and hang out and have some beer and it's not too different from the wine i mean it is but um it's gateway so Cool. Well, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Uh, we'll have it probably in the next couple of weeks uh, posted on the podcast. Cool. But you take care. Yeah, thanks a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Bye. All right. Thanks, Billy and Barley Forge Brewing, for uh, hosting. Uh, wonderful place. So it's too bad they're going to shut down. Um, I know I pointed Tim to them when he was down in California the week after I was there. Yeah. So uh, really enjoyed all of their beers they had there. I mean, it, it just it boggles my mind that you can go from first year being the only guys in there to five years later shutting your door because the competition has just gotten outrageous. Yeah. no, I mean, I mean it that's was. just huge expansion, and now we're starting to see the huge contraction. Yeah, and it's going to happen, it's and it's crazy. a natural flow. So Grandpa's Tractor uh, was good. I rated it 4.25. That's their gold medal gab if they got... Um, I really, really enjoyed their Oktoberfest they had on, which was Dog Days. Debbie actually wanted a pint of that herself. Um, good Marzen type beer, <clears throat> orangey golden, or yeah, orangey golden in color, clear all the way through, and um, very malty. I mean, it was really, really good. Hmm. So they had the Hankerin, which was their brown ale, which was okay. And then the Patsy, which he talked about, which is their famous beer, um, they had it on nitro, so it was just smooth as all get out. Yeah. Cocoa, coconut, and then hints of rye in it. And it blended well. I mean, it was nice. And that's what they actually won the uh, silver for at the Worlds. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, great brewery. It's sad to see them go. Um, Kind of a weird spot for them, so I think that's probably some of it. Um, there's a kind of a more trendy area where a lot of the breweries are opening up, including Gunwale, <clears throat> which is like a block and a half, two blocks away. Right. But these guys are kind of in the back alley of like a industrial park. Um, it's not sexy. It's not cool. I think if they move and it's more hip. Um, that's better. But they got a lot invested in the space where they're at as right. far as electricity and plumbing and all that. So, but yeah, interesting. Just shows you the business cycle of things. So. Oh, it's crazy. Yep. All right. Well, 
Let's uh, pour another beer here. I pulled something out of the little deal. This was actually user, uh, or not user, listener bought us this one. <laughs> user error. Yeah. So listener bought us this one. It's called Double Negative. Um, it's Grim, I believe is the name of it. And it is from Brooklyn, New York by Grim Brewing. So Interesting. It is an imperial stout. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, and it pours out like motor oil and maple syrup. I bet it does. Um, it's only 10%, so I got you a big one. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'll, I'll bet you tell everybody that. Yeah, especially as I'm pouring some thick and black. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so there you go. So, no real notes on the side of this thing. Um, but again, Brooklyn, New York, brewed by Grimm. Um, again, listener Sean bought us this. Not our Sean, but a different Sean. Whew. So, double negative. First thoughts. Oh, you just finished the pumpkin, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Can't slam the gourd, dude. No, I did that before. I was just setting the glass out of the way. Oh. Um, you're saying this is an imperial stout? This is an imperial stout. It's awfully smooth for an imperial stout, is my first impression. Yeah, it's only 10%, but yeah, <laughs> only 10%. Only 10%. Yeah, it's very smooth. It's, it's actually very smooth for an imperial stout. It's actually kind of light and more watery um, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's not super heavy like you would anticipate with a, with a lot of the imperial stouts. There's not a lot of the... Um, it's really hard to describe it if you you, you haven't drank and or drank an imperial stout. It it leaves a, a heavy, almost sticky feeling in your mouth a lot of times. And this one doesn't do that, which I'm really surprised surprised by. Yeah, not at all. Um, a little bit of peat. I'm tasting some peat. You taste that? A little bit of smoked peat or something going on there. On the back or right in the middle? Kind of in the middle. Yeah, it's kind. Of, I'm yeah. picking up that, kind but of. I but I don't know if that's from that or if it's from just the malts. It could be. I don't know. I'm just getting a little smoky peaty out of it. So, other than that, it's a typical kind of a chocolate coffee type base type thing to it. Um, a little bit, a little bit more liquidy than I would think. So it's not too thick, but it's a little bit more watery. How about that? So. But it's good. I would drink it. It's, it's funny because you can, it, it's smooth, yet you can taste that potency on the back end of it. Yeah, it's got an alcohol bite on the back. Not like a rubbering, rubbing alcohol, no. but like it a little bit of a bite. So, Well, cool. Well, as you're sipping that down. Um, <laughs> Slow sipping. I'm going to slam it because uh, I'm ten, looking forward to the next beer. 10%, yeah. yeah. You won't wake up tomorrow. <laughs> you, you'll be calling it sick. <laughs> so, um, Tim... Our little buddy just texted me, and he's like, "Hey, the mascot? Yeah, you want to come on? You want me to come on the air?" And I'm like, "Uh, dude, it's too late. So we're well into <laughs> the podcast. Too, it's too late. We're we're lubed up, and you're not. So um, you never know. He's not working, so he could be just as lubed. Yeah, I think he was working on his license or something. I mean, he was doing some sort of class tonight, so I don't think he's lubed. So, but Timmy, our mascot, uh, stopped as we talked about over at McMinniman's. And with a little bit of persuasion, uh, got a fantastic interview. Got a great interview. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's give him a listen, um, and then we'll come back and regroup, talk a little bit about Black Widow, and even sample a little bit of Black Widow, and um, close out with some homebrew talk, and then that'll be it. What? No skiing? Oh, yeah, we got skiing, too. Here's Tim. <laughs> hey, this is Tim, we the unofficial mascot of PDX Tim Beers. I'm at uh, Thompson's Brewery on a beautiful Friday evening uh, enjoying the Black Widow and I happen to uh, stumble across Jen. Jen, say hi. Introduce hello, yourself. Hello, hello. I am Jen Kent. I've been the brewer here at McMinnman's Thompson's Brewery for the past 14 years. Excellent. Well, Jen, nice job on the beer. Um, I've had about half a pint so far. Good. Um, and as always, it's excellent. How many batches, barrels did you get to brew this year? I made, so, 12 kegs for this year. Might have to brew it up again because it's filling, uh, selling very quickly. Um, but we, it's also company-wide, so it's available everywhere to boot on top of that, along as uh, being in cans. And there's probably some stashes that are hiding in some barrels as well. It's a pretty common beer that we like to put into some of our whiskey barrels for aging. All right, gentlemen, you heard that here first. Uh, that's going to be in a in a barrel. So, yep, got to keep an eye out for that. So, Jen, you, do, do you do all the brewing for McMinnows for this beer here, or do they also brew at every res- every other site using your recipe? Uh, it's every brewery um, in our company brews Black Widow, and it's not necessarily my recipe. It's, um, gosh, I think the recipe is t- about 24 years old if I'm correct on the age timeline of the Black Widow. It was created by one of our early brewers here at Thompson's and back in the day we would just, Thompson's itself would just brew the Black Widow for the pub and um, one year I sent out an email with a recipe just saying like hey it's a fun recipe to have on tap during October. If I remember correctly I think some beer bloggers got a hold of it and uh, become a bit of a hit up in Portland with the recipes that were brewed up there and then we decided to turn it into a company-wide seasonal. Excellent that's an, a great piece of history. Of all the beers that you get to brew in your 16 years? 14. 14 years. Is this your favorite, or what is your favorite beer that you get to brew? It's one of my favorites to brew. It's a fun uh, seasonal that we do. I think it kind of depends on what time of year it is on what I like to brew. It's always fun to learn uh, new aspects of brewing. Uh, I've been enjoying stepping into the sour or the kettle sour world. I've been doing that a little bit. Um, I enjoy hazies a lot just because it's a fun challenge. And um, yeah, I just like brewing beer in general, so it's uh, kind of hard to pick my favorite, that's for sure. Excellent. To steal a line from Gary, for all those kids out there that don't know, Jen, could you explain just briefly, what is a kettle sour? Oh, don't quote me too much on this um, because I'm just stepping into the world of learning about them. It's a brewing process uh, to make a sour beer. And it's a two-day brewing process where we start with making a wort. We add some yogurt for cultures, uh, let it sit overnight for um, about 24 hours. To get its pH balanced correctly, then we boil that beer up and send it off into the fermentation tank uh, where those cultures are active and making those nice uh, sour notes on top of a beer. Kind of depends on what fruit flavor you want to play with. Uh, The next one I'm working on will be a margarita-inspired sour, kettle sour. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, I hate to say it, but we appear to be having a 
communication breakdown here as my burger just arrived at the table and I love you guys and all. And Jen, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you for making yet another great beer. Uh, that's it for Tim and the PDX Tim Beers. Thank you very much. Perfect. Oh, Tim. Our reporter from the field, Tim. As Gary would say, kids, <laughs> that was Tim. <laughs> I think well done. Wow. He's getting better with his interviews. He is getting better. He keeps them really short, though. Yeah, well, he had a communication breakdown. Well, of course he did. He had to feed his face. That was the name of his burger. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, the that's, communication uh, breakdown burger. Yeah, so Tim, hopefully that burger treated you well. Well done on the interview. A huge thank to thanks to Jen Kent uh, for year two being on the podcast. Um, love your beer. Love what you do for McMenamins, and uh, love your history. Fourteen year history, not sixteen, Tim. Uh, so, but nice work. Thanks. Well, so uh, how's that beer treating you? Still, still yeah. got the same in there. Well, yeah, it's it's a pretty. Uh... I mean, it's an imperial. <laughs> I mean, when once you tip the scales at ten percent, you got to slow down a bit. It's not fourteen; it's ten. It's not like it's a five percent beer that you can just slam after a soccer game. No, you can do it. No, you can't. Shouldn't. Well, you shouldn't. All you got to do is stumble down your hallway to your bed. That's different than from you I, can't. I got to drive home. No, I've seen what you've done before. You've walked. And it's a nice evening. I have. Yeah. <laughs> it is a pleasant evening. And then you can come back and get your car tomorrow. <laughs> and, and then I get my car the next day. <laughs> and then but get, it's never early. And never. Then, then never. you can get your walk in. Hey, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is you Fantastic. get trashed at my house, walk home. Forces me to walk twice <laughs> within right. a 24-hour period. You don't feel so good on the walk back over, though. No, usually not. No. <laughs> yeah. No, that usually doesn't pan out well. Well, so two nice interviews. We're set an hour and two minutes. Whoa. Um, I know this is our longest one in a little while. It's crazy. So let's talk a little bit about home brewing. Yeah. Um, so what do you got going or what do you have planned? Are you going to brew anything? I got nothing going, okay. but I just just got everything all sparkly and clean again. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking about doing a Christmas beer. I think you need to get on it. Um, yeah. I kind of do, if it's going to be ready by Christmas. Yep. Um, You're obviously not going to lager it, so. No, and and that's the challenge, is I'm looking for a good recipe out of the uh, clone book. The big challenge I'm running into right now is the grain bills. Yeah. The grain bills on a lot of these Christmas beers are more than my fermenter and uh, initial brewing setup can handle. Really? Yeah. Um. My max grain bill on it's 12 pounds. And a lot of these recipes call for 14, 16. Heck, there's even one in there. Now, granted, this is a really super high uh, gravity beer, but it's calling for probably close to 25 pounds of grain. Jesus. So I'm just like, meh. So I'm going to have to play with the uh, recipes a little bit to get them to fit my brewing system. Um and I, I'm planning on doing that sometime tomorrow so that I, I get it done and can get the ingredients bought. The other thing I'm looking at is, is the ingredients list. Some of that stuff I've never even seen at a, at a lot of the brew stores that we have available here. Like so what? Uh, 
I'd have to show you in the book. It, okay. it, right off the top of my head, I don't know, but just like some of the uh, some of the hop varieties, I've, I haven't seen, um, and even some of the grains, uh, some of the malts. Um, hmm. I'm just like, mm, never heard of it, never seen it. So they could be really hard to come up with. Yeah, I don't even know where my clone book is. It might be out in the homebrew stuff because uh, I haven't seen it for a little bit. <laughs> I need to go looking for that. But but yeah, that's what I'm planning on doing. You're planning on brewing on Sunday, though, correct? Yeah, I'm going to brew Sunday. I'm going tomorrow evening to grab uh, homebrew supplies. Above the rest, just change their hours. They're now open until 6.30. Mm. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I believe Sunday. And I've heard they've revamped their website. Website looks a hell of a lot better. Um, the shopping, I'm still kind of getting used to. I don't really know if I like it or not. But it's at least more like current. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we'll see. We hope those guys, uh, again, we wish them all the success and hope they stick around for a little longer. So hopefully shifting this business model is good. Um, but I'll be over there tomorrow. So we'll see. I'm sure Sharon will tell me all about it. So Cool. Um, I'm going to brew the Abyss clone um, that I entered in the state fair. And yeah. And kind of go from there so it's got a pretty hefty grain bill i mean yes, we're talking it does. yeah 15 16 17 18 19 pounds of grain that's a lot of grain <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> especially yeah. for that's a five gallon batch that's yeah. using 19 pounds of grain yeah so everything from white walt uh white wheat malt to roasted barley to uh 120L Crystal Caramel, 60L Crystal Caramel, Victory Malt, Black Barley Stout, a bunch of two-row, um, vanilla beans, bourbon oak spirals, which I don't use. I use Jack Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels oak barrel yeah. chips. Yeah. Liquor sticks, wild, wild cherry bark, which is always entertaining, um, <laughs> and uh, some molasses. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty hefty beer, but it turned out well, and i got a couple tweaks I'm going to do this year to it, to, uh, taking some of the guidance that they offered me from the State Fair, yeah. and uh, we'll see what we can do. So, cool. Yeah. Now, so, there's a couple other guys brewing that day, too, aren't there? Well, so Will's brewing next door. Um, I don't know if he'll have his stuff together to be able to pull, but yeah, he wants to do a Christmas beer as well. Oh. Yeah, so he's doing the same thing. So you guys should compare notes. He's actually talking about doing a Burr clone, which is, uh, I believe, oh, yeah. Widmere's Burr. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Burr. Yeah. So it's more of a IPA-type Christmas beer. Yeah. Um, and then who else is brewing, dude? Um, God, I would have swore there was somebody else. Maybe it was Tim. Well, Tim. But Tim's like on a constant brew cycle He's got right 30 now. gallons or some yeah. godly thing. He's got root beer and ginger beer and a rauk beer and an IPA and... He wants to, like, have all five of his taps, like, connected. Which is great, but if you don't have anybody ever there drinking it, it's going to go bad at some point. Yeah, ridiculous. So, hey, take the last swallow of that. No. Yep, down it. No. I got another beer sitting there for you. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it's a good beer. It's a very light beer, refreshing. Compared to what I just drank? Yeah. In a green bottle, which means it's going to be skunked. Oh, God, it's going to be skunked. (laughs) So... Because I know it wasn't sitting at 40 the entire time. It was sitting in uh, the middle of a floor in Germany, or uh, in a German delicatessen. Hmm. All I can 
All I can do right now is breathe out straight alcohol. <laughs> that's because you slammed the 10%er. Well, that's what you told me to do. Whew. Yeah. Wowzers. It's not overly skunked. It's a little bit skunky. A little bit skunky? It's definitely got that green bottle skunk taste to it. Yeah. It's got a little Heineken um, taste to let it. Let me guess. It's it's uh, Pollyanna Girl or something. No. Spottin' Oktoberfest. Huh? So this is... I haven't seen this in a while. It's skunked. Yeah, it's skunked. Definitely the green bottle kills it. Why the hell do they do that? Yeah, Well, you know, the Europeans like that skunky thing. I just don't get that. It was like all the rage for a while. Heineken's that way. All that European crap. So, but yeah, there you go. Now you got an Oktoberfest beer from Germany. Skunktoberfest. That's what they should call it. Imported by... Import brand St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Anheuser-Busch. That's right. Spotting. Huh, interesting. Well, there you go. I, I think they should just call it Skunktoberfest. Yeah, it's pretty skunky. It is. Especially the more you sip and pull on that one. So, Well, so it's ski season. I've been watching a shit ton what? of ski movies. And I'm pissed. Why? Everybody else is skiing but us. Um, Timberline opened last weekend for a preview for, day. Like, and then closed down immediately. Really? No. Yeah, the, all the snow at Timberline's gone. They had a preview day. Yeah, and it's gone. I was just looking today. I'm telling you, it's gone. <clears throat> huh. Well, so a lot of skiing going on. At least on. everything around the lodge was gone. It was literally gone, gone. I'm looking at the webcam. Please do. I'm looking at the webcam right now. And, and there's no moisture for like the next week. Oh, there's moisture. <laughs> right between my loins. No. <laughs> no. Debbie, save me. Debbie. <laughs> Baby powder, talc. Yeah. And then you'll get the talc lawsuit. All sweet, great, grand. Uh, just FYI, the cameras are dark. Huh. wonder why. No Jeff, power. Jeff Flood, dark. No power. Uh, Palmer Silcox, way dark. Bruno's actually has a little bit of snow on the ground. Timberland Lodge, I see pavement. A lot of pavement. A lot of pavement, kids. A lot of pavement. So, well. Well, they tried. They really did. They got a lot of snow, and then it melted really quick. Well, that's a preview day. Well, it was 70 today, so. Well, yeah. I mean, snow's not going to survive that. But we've got other places in the country right now. That are doing powder shots to the face. Oh. Like Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Powder shots in Jackson Hole. Beautiful. We've got a couple places, I think, in uh, Colorado that have already opened. There's actually been been some uh, banter back and forth about who got to open first. Wow. And I think that was between A Basin and I can't remember can't remember the other uh, resort involved in that, but yeah, it doesn't matter because I loved A Basin when I skied it. Amazing place. Hmm. Yeah, well, there you go. 22 degrees right there right now. They've got 34 inches. The tram is closed. That's a Jackson, right? Yeah, that's a Jackson. Yeah, yeah Jackson. Um, hmm, interesting. Full snow report. They're not expecting snow for the next few days. No. But, and um, then Montana got just dumped on. Yeah, well, Montana, the of snow. they got more snow last week. They got like six inches Yeah, last it was week. crazy. So, so they, they're dumping it big time. So 
Yeah, so I think we're going to have a good uh, ski year. So they talked about on the news today all of these sea urchins. Yeah. Uh, purple sea urchins that are moving in from California, and it's because La Nina or El Nino or one of the L's and La's are... Right. I think the L and La are actually doing it, and it makes a lot of <laughs> snow. And so... Uh, that's scientific. Well, the only problem is, though, is they've identified the blob off the coast of Oregon again. Yeah. Which is warmer water temperatures. Right. Which usually means drier, warmer temperatures for inland. But it's a smaller one. Let's hope it just disappears completely. Otherwise, we're going to get hosed on snow. I don't know. It's looking like a good year. I don't so know. So far. Things are things are rolling good. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because I got nothing but time this year. Timberline was open last weekend, and that's the earliest I've ever seen them open. So now they're closed now, but it doesn't mean they won't be open next weekend. Right. So right. we'll see. Um, yeah. Well, I think uh, With I've been that? watching a lot of Warren Miller stuff. Are you guys going to the Warren Miller uh, this well, year? The big one already or, passed. Or, or are you just going to wait? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I buy them every year. Yeah. I think we're gonna do a Warren Miller party outside. That'd be cool. Um, the last Warren Miller that we had party outside was 2015. <laughs> and you uh, do, yeah, and it was the hot cocoa and peppermint schnapps night that turned into the Goldschlager oh, night. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so. Maybe we're not due. <laughs> no, we're due. <laughs> All right, we're due. Yeah, we just can't go to we, Scotty's afterwards. No, Scotty's is out. Yeah. There's no slopes on Scotty's. That's what we got to tell John. There's no slopes there. But I think I oh think boy. it would be fun. When you hit a warm Miller night, get yeah, another rager going. Yeah. If you get your Christmas beer going, it would be about the right time in December for it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that would be good. So, all right, buddy. Well, I think that's all I got. We're that's sitting all. an hour and 15. That's all I got. Um, Although till, we do have to get out and ski the dunes before I leave. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean you're not coming back to Portland every now and then. Well, that's a really good point. But and but, but I'm not going to fly skis out here to do it. Well, you're not going to fly You'll We can go to Goodwill and buy skis. No, no, no. I've already got a pair perfectly set up for it. Did you? Oh, yeah. What would you do? I got my old teaching skis ready to go. Yeah, but I thought you need to get Formica. We need to get Formica and bindings. No, 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 on. no. You don't have to. You, yes, you I know. You can, I but know. I'd I'm, rather not do that. Why? That's an added cost. I'm going to get Formica, and then I'm going to mount a pair of bindings that I get oh from Goodwill God. on it. Oh, my God. you got to have a ski with a Formica bind- base, though. Ski with a Formica, but no, I'm just buying Formica. I'm oh, buying an eight foot chunk of Formica. Oh, Jesus, cutting it out with a jigsaw. That's going to be a shit show because <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to have the stability to hold you up. That's going to be fantastic, kids. <laughs> Here comes Jason down the ski hill on all right, Formica. All the listeners out there, <laughs> when Jason puts out when we're going to do this, you got to show up because this is going to be a shit show. Worth filming. You know, my attention to detail is fantastic as well. <laughs> yes, so it is. These skis are very likely to look very different <laughs> from each other. <laughs> so it guaranteed will be a shit show. He's got a square and a circle on it, each foot. It's going to be Lane Meyer skiing on one ski down the hill. Lane Meyer, <laughs> fellas. So... Uh, all right, buddy. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with more interviews and more beers. and uh, Hopefully more ski talk. Definitely more ski talk. This let's is hope. the time of year we transition. Yeah. Uh, maybe do some interviews while we're, as we're brewing this weekend. So That'd be fun. But uh, with that, 
Tim Beers. <laughs>